to episode 32 of Inside the Table, a tabletop RPG talk show. A show in which we talk about the craft of tabletop role-playing games. My name is Marley, you can follow me at Minor underscore Lenahan, and my pronouns are he, him. And joining me today is my co-host... Hi there, my name is Cole, you can follow me at Broom. my pronouns are they, them, he, him. And today we have a very special interview with Eric Silver of Join the Party and a variety of other things, um, including Multitude including uh, Games and Feelings, Tell Me About It, mm-hmm. and The Distraction, the flagship sports podcast from Defector, which I read from Eric's website. Thank you, Eric's website. But first, let's let's do our usual uh, Patreon pitch. Um, so we have a Patreon. Uh, it is very cool. Uh, we recently uh, did a behind-the-scenes episode, and we've also changed up the membership tiers. So for only $2.99 US a month, you get access to a bonus podcast where we talk about just about anything. And we recently did our very, 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 very first podcast, um, which which Cole led admirably and and talked about drinks. Uh, Cole, tell 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 us about that one. Yeah, there was just like, oh, God, that was a nice, fun bit of just like talking about a variety of drinks. I recommended one to you that you'll be trying out soon. Yes. But uh, there's there's. Uh, I go into different histories and like cocktail alternatives, just where I started drinking and uh, what got me really excited about making drinks in the first place. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Cole gave uh, their life philosophy about life based around like making drinks and, and, and doing things for people and doing all this kind of thing. And like, you really led the whole thing. I was very much like on the back foot, just feel like, whoa, holy shit, Cole. You've really like thought about this and like have this whole thing prepared. I thought we were just going to be like, oh, here's five drinks. Um, and I was absolutely blown away. It's like one of, one of my favorite podcasts we've done. And it, it's terrific. And uh, I also do a stupid quiz, which is not as good as your bit. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I had fun doing it. And we're also we're going to be throwing up a a poll of some kind we're gonna, i'm gonna figure that out about like what the what the next month's podcast is going to be and if you'd like to vote on that or if you'd like to join our exclusive discord you can you can join for four dollars 99 at the seat of the table tier and come chat in the in the discord community shout out things you like tell us about tabletop rpgs we should be checking out and of course vote on whether we should be uh talking about certain things hmm um no oh no i'm just dming you the list Cole just send me a message that is the, thank you for doing this mm-hmm. uh one of the th- options is do a do a breakdown of one piece which makes me very tired <laughs> everyone keeps recommending one piece to me and i'm like i can't do it there there is a an adaptation to it right now that's out at the moment that's I know. apparently very good i know <laughs> i just can't I don't know why I I'm like I wonder if I start watching it maybe I'd like it but it just seems like so much work to just do it. I like see it has a hundred thousand million episodes and I'm just like I cannot do it. I have straight up. Ju- I think the idea I have right now is to find the prime episodes people want you to watch, and then read the wiki on the rest of them, and then find a point to jump in that's significantly less than a thousand. But if they if they recommend like here is here is the the one percent of episodes to watch, it's still going to be a hundred episodes you have to watch. Uh, but if you listener would like to put me through this agony and make me listen to One Piece or watch all of One Piece or watch like a hundred episodes of One Piece, you can vote for that if you want. 
can also not vote for that. You can vote for other things that we suggest by joining next table. Or, oh no, joining uh, joining seat of the table, um, and 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 forcing us to talk about something or another. Mm -hmm. And finally, for all you richies out there, uh, there's a VIP table where for forty nine dollars and ninety nine cents a month, you you will one pay a lot extra, and two get your name shouted out on the podcast. And so we will shout that out. At the VIP table. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just a reminder, we've, we've changed the, the tiers over. So the lowest tier for only the, the price of a cup of coffee, you have to hear a podcast. So if you'd like to listen to that, and there's a very good one out, um, feel free to join up there. It's, uh, I don't know if I've said the, the, the thing for the link for the table. Yeah, uh, I got it. Patreon.com slash inside the table. It's that easy. It's that easy. I also got to double check to make sure we have it on Linktree because you can find all our links on Linktree, linktree.ee slash inside the table. Yes, there is. I, I passed me was on top of it. And so there is um, a Patreon link there. But now that that's been said, now that we've, we've shilled for our stuff, let's talk about inspirations. Yeah. So, Cole, mm -hmm. what has been happening? What's been inspiring you lately? Not just in tabletop things, but in all things. Well, I kind of want to talk about the news from last week, and that caught me by complete and utter surprise, considering the location this is happening in. But uh, if anyone out there is also a wrestling fan as well, uh, you'll know that CM Punk was fired from AEW for getting into an altercation with Jack Perry. And uh, among other, it's a multifaceted story with a lot of different points of, well, maybe it's this, maybe it's this. Fact of the matter is, while AEW was filming in Chicago, they fired the Chicago man, CM Punk. Which is not steampunk like I thought it was when you yeah. told me about this before. I was just like, there's a wrestler called steampunk? This is interesting. Maybe, maybe I should get into wrestling. Um, <laughs> there is a wrestler referred to as the Monster Hunter Matthew Palmer, and his whole okay. gimmick is basically he is like a, a wrestling Van Helsing type. But he, uh -huh. uh, he's like a he's like kind of a little bit weak and uh without his potions he can't do much <gasps> um, he looks incredible oh he also he is hot as hell and uh he's got like oh, hair he's got like great yeah he's got like that gray silver <laughs> fox hair kind of going uh his wrestling attire is very good he is married to also one of my favorite wrestlers uh athena who is the Ring of Honor's women's champion, who uh, has mm -hmm. been on a fucking tear and doing a great job as a heel and has currently taken a uh, one of the new younger, uh, like soon to be top star wrestlers named Billy Starks and has okay. made her into a minion, which is an actual gimmick that she has. Wait, as in as in the yellow. Yeah. Yeah. As in the banana. yellow guys, because there is a video on Athena's Twitter of her getting a minion outfit for her husband, Matthew, for him to uh, support her at uh, Death Before Dishonor pay-per-view. I think it was Death Before Dishonor. I want to see what this looks like. Because I'm picturing, I'm picturing like a mascot outfit, like full on, she's, she's a capsule, capsules uh, shaped, um, got one eye or two eyes or whatever, little goggles. Um, mm -hmm. not like painted yellow or anything like that. Yeah. Is that accurate? No. Well, <laughs> hold on. Uh, first, here we go. 
So here's the video of the outfit she gave her husband, but like she calls uh her fans her minions. Okay. Because that's just like that's uh just basically like her uh whole joke thing she's been doing at the moment. That's her bit. But oh here we go. Well that's pretty good. And uh when she she gives out fans, uh recruits fans, as they tell her why they uh she should recruit them. And then she assigns them a number. And this last video I sent you is a fan giving Billy Starks a shirt with her minion number on it for her to wear Aww. while wrestling. It's really, really cute. That's so funny. Oh, that's a big number. Yes. That's like, what is that, 400 million? Yeah, and three quarters. And three quarters. Okay. Yeah. Man, wrestling's good. Wrestling is so fucking good. Big meaty men slapping meat is, uh, my big takeaway from this weekend as well. Now, Cole, that is a very weird thing to say. What does that mean? Uh, so, <laughs> basically, there is an old interview spot of a, a different wrestling company from WWE. It was a group called mm. uh, New Day. There is Xavier, yes. uh, Austin Creed, a.k.a. Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston, and, of course, Big E. And they're talking about their uh, what they're in for wrestling for. Them. There is a fantastic voice line from uh, Big E. Just talking about uh, big men just getting the meat, just slapping meat. Big meaty men slapping meat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Now I understand it. Because I listened to that podcast for a while uh, because because of video game journalist, um, I guess. Video game personality. I like Dan Reichert um, was their producer for a while. Um, and so I listened to a bunch of them. And I feel like I must have heard Big E say that. Yeah, here you go. I got the voice clip right here. Uh, I I fucking it's like one of the things I I love hearing, but uh, going back to what I was saying, essentially CM Punk got fired. AEW mm -hmm. was still in Chicago filming, and yet they still had a fantastic show. No riots broke out. In fact, one of the major matches on the pay per view card were people chanting "Slap that meat, slap that meat" because it was uh two really big powerhouse looking guys powerhouse hobbs and uh miro okay who uh they are basically supposed to be like the body breakers the giant men who just like you run into him and you get uh you get slammed down into the mat essentially mm -hmm. and uh just the crowd was just flipped on a dime just very positive overall and it does not look like like we were talking about this a second ago but yeah. it doesn't look like a good fight like it's I mean, it, it's a good fight because, again, it is big meaty men slapping meat, but they are just like hitting each other with like their upper arms. Mm. And it's just like I, I said before, it, was, it seemed like the worst way of fighting. Like that would just hurt your muscles and oh, yeah. wouldn't hurt the other person. And so. Yeah. Well, like the point of it is to make just like the sound, just like the kind of sound. I don't know if that picked up on the mic, but. It probably did on your end. It didn't. Uh, Discord uh, has a meat blocker. So unfortunately, they didn't get through. No, my meat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there, there was a there was an accident with like some meat slapping where they had this. Anyway, uh, that's that's basically my big inspiration. Is wrestling good? Mm -hmm. um, I will still. I not to say AEW is a good company. They need to put more women's wrestlers on. But they had some uh, yeah. very fun matches. Um, I still love that uh, Chris Stratlander is. Uh, wrestling again. I love watching Athena versus Hikaru Shida in yeah. their pre-pay-per-view show. I'm actually going to go watch that later on after we're done recording. 
and I could do some chores to it. Yes. Fucking love wrestling. It's fun. It's fun. Good fun. It's I always like being like just like outside the um outskirts of it. And just like hearing weird things, like finding Danhausen, the weird uh kabuki face painted fucking Danhausen. Sorcerer? I'm not really sure what's going on. But it's always very funny to see that sort of pop up um on on people who like um wrestling on my on my ex account, my social media site X. And yeah. Yeah. AWE sounds AEW, whatever the one is. AEW. I'm very good with the branding. Uh seems really cool. And seems yeah. really weird because like you said, there's the there's the steampunk man who is who is who is bad and got fired. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, besides that, uh a thing that has been inspiring me lately um is uh it's it's Labor Day, I think. Or is Labor Day for you? It's not mm-hmm. Labor Day for me. And it's also when this podcast is released, it's going to be even less Labor Day. So happy late Labor Day, everybody. Mm-hmm. Um Apologies for making you work, Dol. I'm sorry. It's okay. I know I love doing this. I'd much r- this is this is why I'd rather my job be, if I'm honest to God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, in, in in labor news, the the SAG AFRA has authorized to go on a strike for video game work. Um they haven't actually gone on strike. Basically, all the members basically uh, voted to see if they wanted to go on strike, and they said like yes, we're open if it comes to this. Um, among the things they they were striking for, you you know more about this than I do, uh, Cole. What what were they striking to try and get in video game work? Um. So yeah, basically, SAG-AFTRA has told video game the uh, video game unions they are authorized to strike uh, around September twenty fifth, specifically hmm. for uh, specifically the big things they are wanting right now is a wage increase for a video game performance as those in TV and film for 11% retroactive to the deal's expiration, 4% in both second and third years of the agreement. Mm. Uh, they want protection from artificial intelligence. Yep. They want to give on-camera uh, performers five minutes of rest per hour. Okay, that's pretty big. They want medics to be available. They want medics to be available on set wherein <laughs> any stunts or hazards work is performed. Right, because well, that is nothing. Yeah. There's prohibition against stunts on performers' self-taped auditions. So that's one that's interesting to me because it's like they're asking stunt performers to send in themselves doing stunt. That's fucking wild. And then protections against vocal stress, which is a conversation that's also come up again in the past 10 years because I remember that when I was in high, late high school, early college, of uh, voice actors being like, we need a we need protection for our voices because they're having us do all this shit. And we are literally ruining the thing that makes us money. Yeah. Like they, they yell grenade and like, look over there or they're shooting at us yeah. for like hours at a time. And then they can't work for weeks because their mm-hmm. voice is just done. And so, yeah, that's really positive. Again, the, the video game industry is not very unionized. It's getting more and more unionized in recent years, but it's like, I'm extremely excited about this. Um, mm-hmm. It also it also sort of leads into like as a podcast, we're not talking about films and television because they're union things. And, you know, we might go to the stage where we're not talking about video games Mm -hmm. and like that's intriguing. Um, And then just like wondering, like what this means for like, I think we're going to talk about a lot in, in, in our main topic, 
which is tabletop RPG actual plays. And like, again, not all of these things are union, but there are union uh, things that have been affected by it. Like for instance, Dimension 20 um, had a lot of like uh, SAG-AFRA people working on it. Um, they reached some kind of agreement with SAG-AFRA and they were able to continue doing it, but like, how long will this continue? And how long will, you know, things change? And like, what will happen to all the, the big actual plays as this goes on? It's also worth mentioning that this, this particular strike isn't tied to the current uh, strike that the Writers Guild of Australia, uh, Writers Guild of America, Australia doesn't have one that I know, totally it does. But that's like a different, the Hollywood-based one is different to what is being voted on now. It would be a separate strike when it does happen. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know. There's a lot of labor action happening recently, and I'm very excited about it. As I've said on previous yeah. things, it's just like, oh, we can do shit. We can stop the big, big, the big fat cats who are, who are always like stealing all our cash and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And I'm intrigued by that. Yeah. I'm interested in that. Like, I feel like the state's... And actually, no, because it's also happening in Korea, too. I feel like it's getting closer and closer to where there's going to be a general strike uh, mm. across continents, uh, essentially, of just yeah. multiple different workers. Because, like, you know, Starbucks, uh, the Starbucks unions are still on strike and have been on strike for a fucking while. Yeah, which is amazing. Like, I love I, again, I'm so excited for what this will mean. And just like being in a different industry and just like seeing this happen. And just mm -hmm. be like, oh, what does this mean? Does does this mean we can ask for more? Like I've seen a lot of people like in the video game side of thing being like, like developers being like, this is good. Like I know people are against this because they want to have their games out or whatnot. But like video game like developers are like, oh, we could maybe use this as like a jumping point to actually unionize in our own industry and get like more rights than we have gotten. And like that's cool. I like the fact that it's growing out and like going into like the general strike sort of area. Mm -hmm. And I'm extremely intrigued to see how this goes. Uh, general disclaimer, if you are thinking of taking advantage of this to try and get into your favorite works so you can get the spotlight put on you instead of uh, actors who are currently on strike, don't fucking do that. Yeah. Don't be a fucking scab. It's, it's, it's bad for the people in the industry and it's bad for you. You're just accepting like worse things and like you know denying that better things are possible just so you can get have this like short-term gain it's like a it's a waste of time do not do this yeah and yeah so so i guess the the, the next thing is usually talking about tabletop rpgs but i have done we've done a couple episodes where we're doing interviews and stuff like that and i've i've had to edit them and they were very long um and to give myself a break we're not going to talk about tabletop RPGs uh, this week. Um, instead, we have an extended uh, conversation with Eric Silver, um, again, of Join the Party and a variety of other things, including Multitude, uh, Games and Feelings, and a bunch of things. Um, mm -hmm. It's a really interesting interview. Uh, we talk about actual plays. We talk about, like, D&D. &D, uh, we talk about other things. It's been, it's been a week, so I can't remember. <laughs> and it's a really good interview. Um, mm -hmm. I'm very proud of it. And um, so I guess without any 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 further ado, um, over to you, Past Molly. All right. Thanks, uh, Future Molly. So we are here today, me and Cole, with Eric Silver. Um, so Eric, hello. Greetings. Hi. I'm very happy to be here. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this creative and artistic form with people 
uh, who started a show about it. This is I, I said this to you guys before, but this is like, wow, Quentin Tarantino is going to come on and talk about his five favorite black exploitation movies from the 70s. Like, I want to I want to tear into it. I'm very excited. So so for the listeners, uh, uh, could you please introduce yourself and do the social medias? And then and, and I get we'll do proper plugs at the end. But if you want to do some plugs now, please take it away. Absolutely. Hi, I'm Eric Silver. I'm the best DM in podcasting. Uh, I'm the DM of Join the Party, an actual play podcast that's been going on for more than five years, six years. We're on our third campaign right now. <laughs> the campaign is set in a world of plant and bug people, and it's a pirate story. So like One Piece meets uh, Redwall or Plants vs. Zombies. It's it's a lot of fun to do. Uh, I am also, uh, I host some other shows. I'm the head of creative at Multitude, which is a podcast company, uh, collective, and ad sales provider. Um and you can follow me on Twitter at L underscore Silvero, E-L underscore S-A-L-V-E-R-O. And you can find me on TikTok at Eric the Silver. Okay. First of all, two questions. Number yeah. one, are you on the social media site Twitter or on the social media site X? I refuse to let <laughs> Good answer. That, that in the 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 mega dork <laughs> tell me anything about myself, which is kind of how I feel about Dungeons and Dragons as well. Like I'm gonna yeah. have my experience, and just because you own this doesn't mean you're gonna change anything about my experience, no matter how you're trying to change it and make me make me bend to your. Okay, so you're you're the Cole school. For some reason, I'm I'm always like I I very find I find it very funny pointing out the social media site X, because that's the world we live in. We have fucking weird things happening all the time, and these billionaires do this, and it's annoying. But it's a very stupid name, and I like making fun of it. Uh, my second question is: You introduce yourself as the 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 greatest DM in podcasting in 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 the history. Are you the are you the DM or are you the GM? Because I've heard you say both. And I'm curious what you consider yourself. I was going to say GM, but it was so much easier to express to a larger audience. Because I think is a something we're probably going to talk about. It's like people think that Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop RPGs are synonymous. So it was just easier mm-hmm. to say DM. Like when I was making, when I make TikToks, um, it's yeah. just easier for me to say the hey, best DM in podcasting. But I think I'm the best GM in podcasting. Yes. I do like that, like, yeah, I can tell people, yeah, I play tabletop RPGs, and their immediate reaction is, oh, like D&D, in the same way of, yeah, I'm going to go play video games for a second. Oh, on your Nintendo? Yeah. Turns on PlayStation. God, fuck. The brand loyalty is all over the place. What is happening? <laughs> yeah. So, so, so tell me about how you got started with, with, with Join the Party, how you, uh, you sort of, like, began in the, in the industry as it was. Yes. So I think that this was during the Adventure Zone boom, which I think is the beginning mm. of what we understand to be actual play right now. When people started listening to the Adventure Zone uh, ballots and were like, oh, this is really interesting. It's really cool that this is happening, that you can listen to it. I'm very engaged in the mechanics. Well, kind of. And the storytelling and the relationship between these brothers. And I got hooked as well. And I really wanted to start playing Dungeons and Dragons. I was kind of casting about for it. I was also starting to work towards being a podcast professional and working in audio. I was working at a big like radio company at the time. And that's where I met Brandon, uh, who is the editor and one of the players and joined the party uh, who taught me how to record and edit because he knew how and no one would tell me how to produce podcasts. 
And we were listening to it and we're just like, you know, there are things here that we can do too. Like we can do this and we can do it from like a podcast perspective, like things that we can do from the jump to make people engaged. Uh, also, when I was at that big podcast company, they were making this like podcast product, like a podcast discovery tool. And one of the things I was doing was I was like curating playlists of podcasts. And one of them that I was doing was for actual plays. So I listened to the first episode of like every single actual play show that existed in 2017, 2018. And uh, that and then I'm like, oh, there's so many problems here that you could do just by being intentional from the jump. And that's when Jonah the Party started. We wanted to throw ourselves in the ring and put our best foot forward. So we tried to make it like the audio quality and the editing as good as possible. We tried to make it open for everyone. Uh, we tried not to make like Tom references to Tom Baudet <laughs> constantly and clearly or like pop Everyone's culture favorite references. Act Tom Baudet. Yeah, who everyone knows and for who everyone knows, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like trying to make references that people, everyone would understand. Like we had a thing on a whiteboard where like keep your jokes in world was something we actually wrote on a whiteboard to keep in front of us for a very long time. Um, and also we wanted to teach people how to play. So like we had, we did after parties. So the end of every episode and now we're doing at the end of every three episodes, we still do this. We have an episode fully on the main feed talking about the last episodes that happened and like how gameplay worked, how we felt, how everything worked together. And also we, we taught people how to play with like tool tips jumping in. We had beginners specific episodes where like we would hop in and explain how to play the game baked into the gameplay of the first two episodes. And then we were off and running from there and it's been, uh, we're on our third campaign. We've done two full campaigns and one mini monster of the week campaign since then. And we're going strong. That's cool. So, 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 uh, uh, it, uh, join the party started in 2017. Is that right? I think that's correct. I remember I started at that job in 2016 because in like, in like four weeks I got dumped I had a concussion and Trump got elected and I just started at the job that I met Brandon at. So it's like, <laughs> oh, my God, I got to start a podcast. So it's like, it, yeah, it's like November. It's like early November. And I'm like, yeah, so I got dumped. Do any of you want to be my friend? And they're like, no, none of us do. Absolutely not. We are not emotionally available for you. And it was just a really weird time. I want to kind of go back to the uh uh, the episodes where you kind of go back and explain the rules. I love that as a concept. And I think it's just, I say crunchy, but like rule heavy games such as D&D, &D, uh, yeah. Lancer, Pathfinder. I love that people take the time to do that because there are some folks that are like, oh, yeah, no, I want to cast a spell. So I need to make sure I have the material component. I have to set this spell slot. I have this many spell slots for that. And da, 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 and that goes right over people's heads sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I, there, I think there's something about just the. Uh, podcast playing genre where it needs to be a little bit informative of like if you want to learn what we're doing uh how these systems work you got to break that down and then also just like recapping what the story uh do i'll uh, recap the story as well to just make sure people are caught up and understanding what's kind of going on behind the scenes a little bit oh yeah i mean people write in and ask questions we solicit questions from our discord from our patreon from instagram from twitter so we're always asking we're always responding to questions that people want to hear and also like how we felt during moments, uh, where, what were mechanics and stuff that I put together? Like how did this grok with what we're doing? Um, so it's always things that people want to talk about. So yeah, absolutely. In a different actual play group I'm in, we sometimes get caught up in like, how do we do this? Uh, or explain the rules and setting over and over again. And I, at one point, I think I pointed out 
It'd be really nice if we just took the time to explain what the story is so people will just have an easy jumping in point if they mm. so choose to start from that point. Like, yeah, recap I, episodes are really clutch. Yes. But yeah. even, was that was that just like actual play? Do you mean, Cole, or just? Yeah. Or like, I, I do it like when I'm at, at home as well. I'm just like, hi, everybody. Remember what happened? And they're all like, oh, vaguely. I'm like, OK, let's go through it and just like mm -hmm. have that. Oh, yeah, we do that before every recording session. I'm like, all right, guys, yeah. <laughs> tell me what happened in the last episode. Yeah, I feel like that one's just like a general thing of uh, mm. just. Yeah, so what we did last time was we went into we went and started a heist and the heist went poorly. Now we're being chased by Lord Scarlock. Something like that. Good old Lord Scarlock. Love him. Good old Lord Scarlock. Love Blades in the Dark. Love Blades in the Dark. I do, too. Blades in the Dark. It teaches people. The heist is so essential, and I think that there's so I spend so much time taking things from other tabletop RPGs to facilitate yeah. the play of different aspects, and like just the clocks and the flashbacks of Blades in the Dark has, and also just thinking about factions, thinking about everyone mm -hmm. moving regardless of who the camera is on, has really made me such a better DM. Yeah, I was gonna say, Eric, in my opinion. Uh, game masters, DMs who do that, who look at other systems and then take those systems and apply it to their games, that becomes best DM material, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. you gotta. And then also, I'm game designing on top of it. I make up my yeah. own games. I love nothing makes me happier than writing a world building game that then becomes the building blocks of a campaign. I've done it. Yeah, I yeah. have published a bunch that's on the join the party mm -hmm. merch store. Like, it's great. I love mm -hmm. doing it. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. You have three short games to build stories with. You have the cool cryptid compendium, Lake yes. Town City. Yes. Uh, no capes, uh, clear eyes, full hearts, which is one of my favorite things of just like it's a GM list. I love GM list games just because it gives a lot of play. Like everyone has control over the field Ugh, and I do too. takes the pressure off. And it's also high school sports. Yeah. You love sports. That's your thing. <laughs> Go, sports team, go. That one I made with my friend Misha Stanton. And uh, that one is a GM-less game for you to play out like a Friday Night Lights or a sports anime sort of vibe. Um, where it's more about like a relationships and like the sports are kind of just like the is the movement of the plot. It's really mm. fun. I'm so happy that I made that game. I was going to ask specifically about, uh, I'll come back to my other question, but like, so... I spent two years d uh, DMing at home mm -hmm. and and doing that thing, and like very quickly, I got very tired with the limitations of D and D, and I spent so much time doing basically what you're talking about, like adding things from other systems, and it was specifically video games. Like I added like quests from from The Witcher, like oh, that yeah. was always turning up. I think like one of the first random encounters where they came across a griffin and stuff like that. And, like, I put so much work into all these little mechanics. And I'm wondering, like, how is that for you? Like, is there a point where you're just like, man, I'm working so damn hard on all these, like, expansions. I mean, good news, you can, you can publish them. I wasn't at the stage back then when I can publish them. Right. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, do you ever, like, wish that you did less? <laughs> it was helpful that I got to publish them, and that certainly helped. And what you said about video yeah. games, I do that, too. Um, the, probably, I had, like, a, a DMNPC problem. Uh, during the final boss fight of campaign one and i realized when my <laughs> my friend jeff told me that i should make them into like um the woman in bioshock infinite uh who just kind of like throws you items and you have to catch them and grab them so that was fun okay. like on on alonzo's turn 
he would like throw an item to someone and they had to make like a dexterity check to grab it. And it was always going to, it would be like a healing item or, or some sort of bonus. <laughs> so I'm a hundred percent with you. It was Very really handy. Fun. Yes. I cannot yeah. remember. I cannot remember her name, even though I can like visualize Elizabeth. Her. Yes. Elizabeth. Thank you. Yeah. Um, do I get tired of it? No, I don't. Uh, do I think that Dungeons and Dragons has a lot of limitations? Yes, I do. Do I think that it's still the thing that works the best for actual play? Yeah, I think it's very flexible. I think it's helpful to that it has such defined mechanics between combat and role play or social interaction and that you can solve problems with either one. Um, I like that a lot of people know it, so it, it certainly helps with marketing and everything. But I think yes. that there is a lot of limitations within Wizard of the Coast to make D&D D&D. Uh, I think that Jeremy Crawford said that in like, hmm. um, and I remember that, like, that's a thing that they care about a lot. And I think that that's hampered their growth and also is one of the reasons why they clamped down on the OGL so hard. One, they wanted money because, of course, they do. But two is like mm -hmm. they don't want it to be innovative. Um, and I think that that's why third party creators are so important and why you can graft things hmm. and be a better. You got to be a game designer to be a good DM slash GM uh, for GMs. I think you have to understand what this is what this creator is trying to do and Dungeons and Dragons is just a very unwieldy beast. And if you're trying to encompass it and do everything with it, you got to poke it and prod it and make it look good for what you need it to do. So I like doing it. I like it a lot. I love coming up with games and you know, it kind of all comes to my core idea, which uh, I got from friends at the table, but has kind of extended into so many things I, that I do. I want to play to see what happens. That's what I think is the spirit and what delineates the actual play genre from long-form improv and comedy and whatever they're doing over at UCB. You know what I mean? And it's like, we have a game. Let's use the game to see what happens. And I'm going to create or facilitate my own games to make that happen. The first time I did this, I was doing this for a home game. I was like, how am I going to get a maze to work? I don't want to just do survival checks. So I set a timer and I gave everyone a different maze, like a, a maze on a piece of paper to do based on their survival checks. And if they made it through <laughs> the maze that they did, they were they got to the other side. And if they didn't, they were stuck in the maze. And then I thought it was just a really good way to literalize it while everyone is still having fun. I like that. I also, I also like really agree with you that like whatever my 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 personal like hangouts with D&D is that it is it was like formational in like how I design games and how I approach things. Mm -hmm. And like, I suppose the openness of it is a really huge thing for it. You know, just like yeah. getting you to like, Oh, I can just throw this in. I can like try this out or try different experiment with this thing. And like, oftentimes mm -hmm. that's the most fun bit. And kind of going back to like being a good GM, being a good DM is you also have to understand game design. I, my big mm. train of thought behind that is just like the more you understand the mechanics behind the game, the more you can kind of just like push the edges and start like going, OK, how can I throw this to be a unique con uh, concept? But also, if you have a player who is a game designer who understands the game in that you get to get the nice little surprise of how much they're pushing it or like, you know, my favorite thing is uh, I tell people all the time when they play in Forge of the Dark Games, drive your character like it's a rented vehicle. It's a stolen car. Drive it like it's stolen car. Yeah. yeah. Rented vehicle, you have to pay pay the insurance and stuff like That's that. That's right. Well, stolen you do car, technically pay the, free, they pay the insurance of it if sometimes you lose that character very quickly. <laughs> Play the game like Enterprise has your ID at the company. <laughs> <laughs> Drive yeah. it, play your character like your credit card is on file. <laughs> yeah. 
I fucking love. It. I want to play a character like that now that you say that. That sounds really fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you play Band of Blades. <laughs> yeah. I also want to point out when you run any sort of big game with a lot of mechanics, mm. Blades in the Dark, um, Pathfinder, Lancer, as the Sun Forever sets. Yeah. Monster of the Week even is is kind of tricky. Is kind of tricky. Uh, like masks mm-hmm. is also kind of tricky. There's a lot of moving parts, even though mm-hmm. powered by the apocalypse games are easier. I I find they're kind of more straightforward. Kind of. For they're like I agree that they have limitations. Form follows the function, but yes, yes, exactly. Mm. Uh, GMs poke and prod it and make it do what they want too. It's just D and D is mm. so ubiquitous that everyone hears about how you need to homebrew stuff to make it work. Like people poke and prod. People, no one plays stuff out of the book at all. It's you're exposing, uh, you're you're exposing text to real life. Of course, you're gonna poke mm-hmm. and prod at it. Like uh, as much, I think we had this conversation before. If you would change, like, if you change three rules of a game, you need to pick a different game. But like D and D is, I think, the exception to that. Because I know I played uh, the first D and D was for me was never actually fifth edition. I mm. one I played Mage of the Ascension in college that never actually got off the ground, but uh. The d and I played and technically still play with friends is 3.5, which is thick. Like, people complain yeah. about 5th edition having too many books. 3.5 mm. has way too fucking many yep. books. Um, <laughs> That's what you're saying is why 5th edition exists in the first place, truly. Exactly. Also 4th yeah. edition, but there, I still love seeing the conversation. 4th like, edition actually, is the best one everyone always says. I don't know. I have yet to play it, but apparently it plays like Lancer. It's that's, that's like the hipster take. The hipster take is yeah. that fourth edition is was actually, oh then I definitely yeah. need to like fourth edition more. That's a shame. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> but uh, you know, I remember like to understand the game, you don't you just need someone who understands how the rules work. And I remember being told, just look at how to make your character, pick a class, pick a race, and we will do it step by step. Uh, and then you'll know like the process to that. And then in D&D specifically, if you ever want to do anything strange or weird or wild, you start, that's when you start digging into the books. Or in some cases, you go look at the homebrew websites where there are 10 million different fucking class combinations yeah. uh, to figure out what you want to do. And, you know, and sometimes you find a nice little playbook about being a slime. Yeah. I, what I find really interesting about Dungeons and Dragons is how customization and player empowerment come from, like, making a character that will break the game that like that's the main way to express <laughs> that's like the main way to, you know well that's why there you see so many videos and tiktoks of like oh you got to make this character who can who can do like 500 feet of speed in one move and it's like okay i guess you know then like that's why you got to go out there I, I just find it so interesting how Wizards of the Coast for their own economic benefit, I find, because they they publish books and they want people to buy the books and also then mm. buy it again on the Internet, is uh, they want the IP that they're pushing, the Forgotten Realms, to be synonymous with the game. And I find that so baffling that it's like, why mm. do you want me to play with your toys when this is an imagination box? I don't get it. Like, why do I need to use your adult red dragons? I just, just let me give me the tools and then I'm going to go do this over there. I'm already playing your game. But of course, they want to keep selling you stuff. So they want mm-hmm. then I think that's what the D&D movie did is like they want D&D, the company and the IP, even though it's just like a, a setting that they 
took from a series of fantasy books that were written for them by R.A. Salvatore. Like, they want that to be yeah. exactly the same thing as the game system. Uh, and that just, like, it just, it just really wrinkles my head a lot. And I think it, it really stunts people's creativity and ability to, like, think outside the box with what this game can do. It's, it's really, like, we, we, we did an episode, like, a few, we did a few episodes, hold on. We did an episode a few episodes ago, is what I'm trying to say, um, <laughs> in which we uh, talked about like the various way people market things and the various way you can sort of like approach things, uh, specifically for itch.io. And one of the things that came up was like the idea of doing um, like when I, I did this game called Apocalypse Road Trip. I always forget the name of it and then have to think about it. Mm -hmm. um and the thing about that game is that i designed it so that it's very like free form and has that sort of like easy to make like adventure like the, you basically just pick what, what kind of thing you would like to do and then you go off and do it your character does that and it's very easy to improvise like enemies and stat blocks and stuff like that um mm -hmm. but the thing about that is that i can't really do a jam i can't really do an ish.io game jam where people like come in and submit classes because it's classless or come in and submit adventures because it's adventureless it's all based on characters right and so like my my takeaway from that is like a really clever thing business-wise is to probably get people involved by having very like making it more difficult to make adventures and making it more difficult to do things and so like from that perspective i get why wizards of the coast does it because it's like again it's a business it's fucking hasbro it has right. to like do these things and do these kind of things they got to participate in capitalism. Yeah. At the same time, it's funny to think that, like, you made an imagination machine and you're trying to sell people the ways, books to tell them the right way to play the imagination machine. I just think it's counterintuitive to their to their product, which, of course, doesn't yeah. matter under capitalism. But you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's it's but, it, but it's also kind of interesting because, like, like, like you say, it's an imagination machine. I know so many people who never play the official adventures. I have a friend who's like inventing a whole like different cosmos and doing this thing specifically oh, yeah. like you were saying because it's imagination. And like I know other people like I was I was listening to your podcast uh the the games and feelings your interview with uh, Claire Auburn. Yes, yes, Dr. Claire Auburn's awesome. Yeah, how 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 you did the uh how she did the the game where um it was the Curse of Strahd, and they readed Curse of Strahd as an incel and stuff like that. <laughs> and I like that because it's like, again, you're you're talking about the media, but like, like I really enjoy doing, you're responding to the media. And like everyone who's played Curse of Strahd, and I am one of them, and I had a terrible time, approaches it in a different way. And that's a thing I really like. Like, I don't know, I just like responding to media. And I'm no, like, I agree with you. I 100% agree with you with that. It's just, it's just that like, it's funny to think the people that own the thing don't want you to do that. Mm. I do think what's was fascinating is when the o OGL and the uh, whole shebang came out. Yes. Um, the immediate response was, all right, we'll make our own. And there were people who literally made a alternative version of D&D. &D. Uh, yeah. There's yeah, the sure. uh, uh, what's it called? Dagger Hearts with the 2D12 system, which is interesting. I didn't yeah. look too, too much into it. I need to dig into it in the future. And then the stuff that Critical Role are yeah. making. Like, <laughs> Have you read the rules for that? No, I, I've, all, I've read some reviews and it's like, you are just trying to make something that's close to the thing you were doing so you're not under their IP thumb anymore because you're so big. I get it. I mm -hmm. get it. For sure. Like, it, like you're, But it's like, 
don't don't tell me you're serving me something incredible when you're doing it for a one re- you're just doing it for a specific reason so we we had a thing about we think we had a segment about this at one point where we read th- we read through it and we're just like what is this and it's basically do you know Vassen the 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 Nordic um folk folk horror game no I don't it's 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 basically that like I for some reason had read that. And I was like, okay, it's basically Tales from the Loop kind of mechanics. Sure. If you know that one. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but but in like a, a Nordic sort of horror sort of thing. Um, and it's like, you know, you know, prim and proper kind of like, you know, 18th century Victorian era. I know it's not Victorian when it's not England, but you know. Oh, no, it's fine. That's fine. And it also has like Blades in the Dark mechanics mixed in. So it's a very weird, loose kind of adaptation of Vassen, which already exists, and Blades in the Dark, which already exists. And it's so weird. It was such a weird symbol because it wasn't, there wasn't a big, it wasn't like a great, interesting new, new system. It was just like, he's combining two things together because I feel like they, they wanted to play like a, uh, Call of Cthulhu type game, mm. but like, you can't do a Call of Cthulhu type. Oh, you can. And they have, but it's a weird thing. I think that the thing that bothers me mm-hmm. about this whole thing is that like, I, we are this, this genre, this creative enterprise is such a little baby right yes it's only been started so recently like 2017 right is when the adventures yeah. started and griffin mcelroy got the fifth edition rules early because he worked at polygon right like that's right. i for that's when we're saying that's when stuff kicked off and already we are only thinking about money we are only thinking about how it's going to enrich us and how it's going to make us famous and turn us into famous actors and voice actors, you know? And I that just bothers me so much. It's like, we have this very interesting new thing that people are excited about, and we're oversaturating the market because everyone's seeing it as their ticket to have deep, deep parasocial relationships. And it facilitates mm-hmm. the, this traditional media model of YouTube videos. Like, you know, how YouTube became movies and tried to professionalize itself so you had to have an incredible camera and film in L.A. Now... You have to film in L.A. and all of your and all of your act and all of your players need to be actors and they all need to do voices and they all need to be funny and also traumatic and emotional. And it all is this Hmm. rules light fifth edition. I call it L.A. the L.A.ification of the space that you have to film it in L.A. with L.A. people. Why? Hmm. Why are we doing that? This is a digital first, but on both primarily for podcasting, but also for streaming. And for YouTube and mm-hmm. and and but we're 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 hewing towards traditional media models because we want the power because we want the power and the money that's associated with that traditional media model and how it furthers get people getting there. I, I that's why I care so much about how the rules in the game is played, because it's like, well, this is how I do it. This is how uh, a way I like it and a way I think people really respond to and a way that we can shape this game to be something interesting and helpful for game players and for other people who want to participate uh, in the space. I, I would also say, like, like, one of the things we said before the episode is that, like, one of the reasons I make Inside the Table is that I, I am interested in smaller game designers. Like, the idea yeah. of it just being, like, the only way to get successful is if you're an LA actor, you're a voice actor or whatever. Yeah. And that seems so depressing to me. And, like, similarly, like, I don't want to just make this show about, like, D&D because, like, there are so many great game designers out there that really inspire us, even in our D&D play and stuff like that. And it's, I, yeah, 
I, I agree that it's so depressing the idea that the only way forward is the way that has worked in the past when, again, like the internet is a very weird thing and it is very like kind of difficult to tell what is what is happening and like what mm. is what is the rules and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's always very important that like I, I want to be a kind of person who just goes out there and just does it. Yeah. And like, who cares about what's the right thing? I'm going to do it because it's fun. So, yeah. Now more than ever, you can make a living or you can make a very nice, emotionally fulfilling hobby on the internet. Yeah. And you don't have, mm -hmm. we've, this has been proved in all of our jobs. We don't have to live anywhere. We don't have to live in these city centers unless we super duper mm. want to. So I don't know why we're allowing this artistic process, this artistic genre to be dictated by that when, you know, we're not going to offices anymore. And it's like, I, 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 I don't think I've included this in the questions, but one of the things I am really curious about is like like we should probably we're going all over the place but that's fine that's all right um like that's that's a normal conversation for us that's a normal conversation for us we we, we even said like there's adhd all over the place you know so yeah. here before before you jump into that question i did just have a random memory pop up i remembered Harmon quest suddenly right uh where it's dan Harmon with uh guest actors his ex-wife and folks playing D D in a studio in front of a live studio audience and they're not playing fifth edition specifically they're playing one of the classic ones he grew up with it's like a live action and D show which and if you watch it on a what is it voodoo crunchyroll verve what the fuck is a yes verve? i remember I, I don't think verve vrv does not exist anymore no <laughs> but uh it splits between a live action and then like animation. And I'm like, this was back in 2016 where they tried to get people. Uh, Dan Harmon was like, oh, yeah, people like D&D. &D, they like improvisational theater. Let's make a comedy show. Let's not really engage in how we're rolling and stuff like that. And I thought it was really <laughs> interesting because like you can watch that. And this is also when, again, uh, the Adventure Zones coming out. A lot more D&D &D, uh, shows are starting up uh, and people are watching this and it's, uh, again, a comedic take on tabletop role-playing that doesn't really engage in the rules, doesn't really make these heartfelt stories. It's just comedy-based. Ah, now that's the big difference here, which I think is important when, we're, I'm, when I'm on this podcast and we're talking about the actual play genre. Harmon Quest explicitly was a comedy show. They were just kind of doing <laughs> improv. They were improvers. Yeah, they, there was guys I've seen on um, Whose Line Is It Anyway, who was like one of his main yeah. players, the guy who always wears the suit. Yeah, you know? Jeff B. Davis. Yeah, yeah. He he played in all those games and like Aubrey Plaza and Tom Middleditch, like improvers. They went on that show and there was a comedy show first. They weren't trying to play the game. Mm -hmm. The Adventure Zone, I don't think it was their intention to not engage with mechanics. They just kind of did whatever and they didn't realize what they were doing. I mean, the way that they always described it is like we were building a car and it turned into a plane. So they got mm. they captured lightning in a bottle because of their relationships and this, this new thing that was happening, but their lack of intention, I think is why things, why so much attention on that show waned. Now it's still massive for sure, but they have never captured the same verve that was balanced. And I think it's, it's lack mm -hmm. of intention. Like there's a, this is, there was a quote going around recently because Justin McElroy reviewed Baldur's Gate three on the besties, his video, his, the video game show associated with, with Polygon and stuff. And he's like, mm -hmm. I played a wizard for four years and I didn't know anything about spell slots. Like who knew, who knew, who knew about that? And I'm like, 
You should have. <laughs> you were playing the game. So it's like, I, I think that there's an intentionality that's lost. It's like, if you're doing a comedy show, fine. But I, I just think that people are just kind of throwing, gesturing towards what's been successful in the past. Uh, because, and, and they can do it because they're in L.A. and they know people. And they, they kind of, you know, there, there's, a, there's a group, you know, you kind of just get, you're, you're fostering the parasocial relationship between people who are already subscribed to your YouTube channel, or it's just like you get as many people, the people with the most number of Twitter followers, you know, and you get them in a room in LA and you record something. I'm, I'm worried that that is what the genre is tipping towards and not towards like the, why, why is dimension 20? So, so engaging. Why do people love critical role? So, so much. Why are these so successful? I think that we're, we're learning the wrong lessons from the success of actual play right now. And that that's what I'm I, about. I I I disagree in a lot of I mean it's so yes, I agree that people trying to jump into the thing by getting famous people on there is the wrong lesson to learn. But I feel mm -hmm. like like one of the things that like the adventure zone came out of uh came out of my my brother my brother and me which itself came out of a uh, video games podcast. Um, uh, I cannot remember the name of it. It's what they did before Polygon. It was Joystick. was a thing. Joystick. Joystick. That's the one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and similarly, there's a lot of people in the video game space that go into the, that, that transition over to, uh, uh, to uh, Dungeons and Dragons things. Like, one of my favorites is Oxventure. And I don't like it because, like, they did a season of Blades in the Dark they didn't really play it that well and they didn't quite nail it as, as someone who like really likes Blades in the Dark and who really knows the rules. Mm -hmm. um, it was like, it was a little bit like, oh, they got this wrong and this wrong and this wrong and they do D&D &D, and it's similarly very loose and very like not strictly uh, uh, connected to it. But like the reason I keep going back to it and the reason I keep listening to it despite like a lot of complaints about, you know, the various systems and the way they play it is because that I like the people. Like they, they, they turned the their kind of dodgy D&D &D playing into just performing and doing comedy. And like, I like the comedy more than I like their actual playing of, of D and D and like how they come up with worlds and stuff like that. You're saying exactly the thing that I'm saying, but uh, is yeah. that like, they were a YouTube channel run by Eurogamer that yeah. like, I love, I love that. I think they're very fun. I, I've subscribed both to Octavit and uh, mm. Annie and Luke have been on the, on games and feelings. And I've, I've, oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're 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 great. Um, but that's what I'm. But if from the like creative entity of it, from the business of creativity of it, hmm. they they were monetizing the parasocial relationship created by yeah. the previous YouTube channels, and also it's related now that they have a membership. Um, mm -hmm. yes, they have a they have a Patreon, and then they yeah. went to cons and they do live shows. Like I think that these people are talented and fun, and that's hmm. the soul of actual play. But I'm worried that we're learning the wrong lessons is that we're trying we're we're following the money and it's only propped yeah. up by the fact that there are people who are recognizable playing those games. I'm just now remembering a conversation I had. Um, there was a uh, person we were talking to and we were basically we got uh, we were having a shift in channels and a shift in producer for our show that uh, we were playing a uh, sort of the serpentine game. And it was one of those things where, like, someone brought up, well, how are we getting paid? And it's like, well, we get paid through viewership, essentially. And <laughs> he's like, okay, if we're going to get paid, we need to make sure we have these kind of things. And, you yeah. know, there was, like, 
that rubbing up against of like, well, this is not why I'm here. I want to play this game and tell a good story. I'm like, yeah, okay, then we need to focus on that. And in order to tell a good story, we have to make sure we have our character like our character connections filled out and kind of have a general idea of where the story is going towards. I mean, this is a problem we have or this this is an issue we tackle just in podcasting in general. My job at Multitude mm. is like there's something about podcasts that people are embarrassed about it. And I think it's because like when you hear podcasts, you think Joe Rogan most of the time if you're not like plugged in. And also just like, you know, everyone has a podcast and all that stuff. It's like, well, no, if you want to make a living doing this, you got to be intentional. You got to mm-hmm. put your mind towards the thing you want to see in the world and then figure out how you're going to get paid. You, this has to be your job. It should be your job. So uh, mm-hmm. I it's it's something that that's on my mind a lot. And the stuff that we do on Join the Party is kind of the foundation of Multitude, of this company that we started and been running for years uh, for like Oh, for like four years, four or five years now. The stuff that we do on Join the Party was the foundation of like the the professionalism or the professionalizing that we've done with the entity that is Multitude. Yeah. yeah. I, I was going to ask about that. That was one of my questions, which is like, how how was the first year? Because like we've done a year and we're like just branching off into like uh to to Patreon and trying to figure all that sort of thing out. Uh, but like, what was it like for you, like in 2017, adjusting from like, just making a show um, to to making it a business and making it doing the professionalization and running multiple shows, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was 2019, I think, where Amanda and I were able to quit our jobs and do Multitude full time and then get Brandon on. Mm-hmm. Amanda is, is our CEO, Amanda McLaughlin, CEO, and my wife. I'm the head of creative and Brandon Google is our uh, head of production. And um. I mean, we were able to get once we realized this was something that we that people wanted, we realized that we could turn this and make it our jobs. We could like we got revenue and able to put this stuff together and like we would do these jobs for other people and then use that to supplement like whatever was coming in from shows and be able to do our our fun podcast that we wanted to do at the same time. Like I I made I I pitched a podcast to Sony Music and I produced a a show for that called My 90s Playlist uh it was like the only show that they had solicited from another that they solicited from like uh an outside entity because after the pandemic they just bought a bunch of companies and brought it all in-house so that was that was fun (laughs) um but yeah i mean our skills we realized that our skills were things that people wanted to pay for and then we ended up starting to put it together and we got the office and we built a studio um and then like you know it's all about pulling all of the revenue together and then, you know, really trying to look at it in its components. Like, the re- this is the revenue coming in. This is the revenue going out. Can I still do the jobs that pay money alongside trying to build the, aud- build the audience for the shows that I like to do? Uh, and that I'm doing for my own, like, edification, but also, you know, to grow my audience because I want it to exist. So I was joining the party, and I created some other shows, and I helped other people. And then Games and Feelings popped up in 2020. and Tell me about it popped up last year. Um, but, you know, it's always been a push. It's always a, been a push and a pull. I and mean, we're, we're trying to make a living for ourselves because no one else wanted to help us. And we realized that we had skills. And yeah, there's a real like millennial thing that like we have to empower ourselves where like people who are five years older than us and five years younger than us are like famous on the Internet. And there's like these group of people who are like plus or minus 32 are kind of just like stranded in the middle too young too young for BuzzFeed jobs, too old to be on the forefront of TikTok, you know? 
Well, unfortunately, there are no more BuzzFeed jobs. They're all AI. (laughs) They were. Man, I'm telling you, I lived in New York City. (laughs) I was living in New York City during that time in the the 2010s when I was at NYU. And man, all I wanted in the entire world was to work at BuzzFeed. It was the single coolest place ever. There was an office there. The office was on like 30, 32nd Street. It was above a Home Depot. And there was a there was an Outback Steakhouse <laughs> nearby in New York City. It was wild. How convenient. It was so wild that these things were there. It so cleared my mind. And I applied to so many jobs there and I got interviews and I just never had it. And like, it's yeah. funny seeing that just working at BuzzFeed, like is people are still riding that today from the notoriety that mm-hmm. happened from that massive marketing machine. Uh, it's It's really wild. And it's, uh, I also like want to say, like, you were talking about before about how, like, podcasts are basically the Joe Rogan and the just like random people. But, like, one of the things I love about podcasting and one of the reasons that I, I do podcasting is that it's incredibly cheap and it's incredibly easy. Like, I think that one of the core things is make sure you have, like, good sound quality and make sure you can figure out how to edit. And that's pretty much it. You know that you are you are suggesting so much more than so many people do, right? They they just record yeah. themselves and throw it up there, and they're like, "Why doesn't anyone listen to my show?" And I think that there are also podcast companies like Spotify are trying to encourage people to just kind of like throw audio up there when they bought Anchor and they mm-hmm. use like the all in one solutions that pop up about it. Like this is again, it's intentionality. If you want, yes, there's an incredibly low bar to entry right just get a microphone and record it but it takes a lifetime to master and it's even harder to grab an audience like it's just like grinding you're just putting yourself out there you're not even trying to catch Mm -hmm. the algorithm you you there is no algorithm you just put it out there there is i mean yeah i heard you say that before on the previous podcast and i'm like that is true but then you have to navigate twitter then you have to navigate like tiktok then you have to navigate mm-hmm. Spotify likes, and I don't even know how most of that stuff works. Get people to like it on Google Play and Tumblr as well. And Tumblr, just like I, it, like it's like, oh, this one's easy, and then you just realize the marketing—that's the work. I would much rather focus <laughs> on my own marketing than like have to chase the YouTube algorithm or the and the TikTok mm-hmm. algorithm. Yes, and I'm just, I love making TikToks. TikToks are fun. I I just I do it and I see what happens. Mm-hmm. It's whatever. But it's like changing my literal artistic practice to meet the algorithm would melt my absolute brain like what am i even doing here yep mm-hmm. and it's i i'm loving that y'all are talking about like there it's two steps you can like anyone can start doing it but to do it mm-hmm. well has additional steps that you need to think about because i think about the same thing with streaming and like broadcasting mm-hmm. work because everyone's like you you will see it all the time oh streaming's so easy i can just start doing it why aren't people watching me for my viewership and it's like well it's a lot of reasons your camera quality is bad your mac mic sounds awful mm-hmm. uh you're you force your like you're not really playing a game that's interesting you're playing the popular game and i can find that in so many other ways you can focus on niche or indie or you can become a pro player in that field you have to be funny you have to have a mic presence yes which i think is a skill people have to train you have to have mic presence you have to be unique especially you have to be unique in in stuff that doesn't have an algorithm Mm -hmm. streaming is the thing that's closest to podcasting just in case in terms of like yes no explicit algorithm but also like just putting yourself out there constantly except streaming has its own problem because it's very similar to youtube in that it's owned by Mm -hmm. a massive massive company that changes shit on a whim and you can you know twitch 
is always at the whim and whatever Twitch and Amazon decides to do. God. Yeah, no, I, I don't stream as much. And if I do, it's because I'm on someone else's channel and they, mm. yeah. It's great. It's like grandparenting or something. You're just like, yeah. oh, I'll just turn up and do the thing. You'll do all the work. I'll just, I'll just chill out. Hype <laughs> up the kids on sugar, send them on their way. Yeah. <laughs> my grandma used to do that to my mom. <laughs> I love grandparents. It's even such a fun job. Um, Mike, all right. So my question is, how did you, all right. How did you know with, with Join the Party and the various other podcasts, how did you know in 2019 that you, you could make it a business and you could like do that thing. Like what was the transitional period where you say I could finally just like focus on making it as a job? It's a good question. Um, was it jumping into the void and just like, I hope this works or we were making enough money. We had, we got the, our first job on as multitude was that a public radio station in Chicago was putting <laughs> out, podcasts for the first time and they needed someone to teach them how to market it and like write episode descriptions and stuff right. like that and they paid us a consulting fee to do it we're like oh people actually want this and we were able to do it at the same time as our full-time jobs um and then we got hmm. this contract from sony and we're like okay we can actually this can actually happen oh wow yeah i mean we pitched it it was an incredibly long process it was wild so it's like the money was coming in i was like okay i think we can do this. Amanda is incredibly good at budgeting and getting the show off the ground and getting like a business off the ground. And she's what I always say is she's the most business minded person in a group of artists and the most artist minded person in a group <laughs> of business people. And I think that, that you need that. Like there are so few people who take business seriously in the podcasting space, because, again, the fear of making this seem like a real thing, I think, is, is part of it. And also how artists are like, no, numbers are bad. I hate numbers. So we had Amanda and Amanda had this had this vision and could and she also knew how to sell ads. She was going to sell ads for all of the shows, which was going to give everyone revenue, multitude, the company and also all the shows on top of the Patreon. And we and it was easier for us to exist as a company, as a bunch of these shows together under a company umbrella when we went to cons or when we did live shows or when we plugged each other or blah, blah, blah. And that's how yeah. multitude started. We were always a podcast collective and then the company, the studio and the ad sales alongside it. So it was like, you know, a lot of revenue happening at the same time. I think we put ourselves out there and when people said yes and responded with money, then we're like, okay, we can do this. And then we, we left our job right. and it, it, it started, it started running from there. We joined the party. It was just join the party felt like the proof of concept of here's what it looks like when you take a podcast seriously. Yeah. It, it is the thing that we are literalizing the things we like about shows and what we think are good about podcasts in into life, a well editing a well well edited and good sounding podcast, and which Brandon has done a very good job the entire time that we've done during the party and mm -hmm. doing. Yeah. Um, the, how I was able to express the things that I learned over time as immersing myself in the actual play genre and learning about more tabletop RPGs. I'm expressing myself creatively and seeing the actual play I want to exist in the world. Um, and then, of course, my players getting all of my players getting more and more excited and more and more confident as they did it. And then we ended up making more shows around it, like Multitude. We're all about conversational podcasts that are uh, like a tr because conversational podcasts attract communities. And that is the bread and butter of a digital life. Um, and we we always lean in and it became the, the premise of everything that we've done. And here we are 
like four years later, uh, still thriving. I was going to say, I should also point out, you actually also have packages to one, help people build up their own podcast and also teach people how to podcast too. Oh yeah. I mean the whole, the, we, the rising time, the rising tide raises all boats. Uh, the thing mm -hmm. that I said about being this like lost internet generation is like, there weren't a lot of places for us to learn how to do stuff. I could not figure out how to learn how to record a podcast. I didn't learn it until I started this job with Brandon and I want, I've been wanting yeah. to do it. I wanted to do it for years um, because it was, this information was just closed off. So we want to, we have a lot of free resources on the website at multitude.productions slash resources. You can free resources about stuff. And then we have the podcast starter kit for $35. You have like these, these videos that Amanda and I recorded that can get you started on your podcast journey. And then we have consulting and things building mm -hmm. up from there. We even, we do free consulting for people from uh, traditionally excluded groups in audio. Uh, if people just want like a half an hour of our time to just review what they have, we will do it. Um, so, you know, we're trying to make, we're trying to make the whole space better. Uh, and I, everything I, we're just trying to make the whole space better. Um, and I, I view hmm. that for podcasting at large and the actual play space. Um, it's kind of like my, baby in this in this situation and i i bring that up mostly because a big part of me of anytime i've worked on a show uh there's an esports show i work on where we had someone come up and ask us like hey how do we make our assets how do we do this how do we do that and i was very open to like yeah no we can walk them through the steps kind of teach them how we do this but then we can tell them like these are your starting blocks start showing what you can build with it yeah. And I remember having one person in the group go, no, we should keep this secret. And I was like, what the fuck do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think that there's something about yeah. like picking your brain meetings. I still, mm. this still bother me. It's like what a person is trying to monopolize another person's time to like tell them all the secrets of the trade. But as a company, yeah, yeah. we're publishing resources. It's like part of my job. It's like, it's so different yeah. doing something on her company banner and for your job that you can joyfully do things that would bother you as just a freelancer or just a person floating in space. I, I also want to say that it, it's very interesting that you said, like, you, you came to this through radio and through, like, various, like, means of, like, basically easing in bigger companies into the podcast space, which is, like, it's a really interesting because, like, I don't hear about that often. A lot of the times it's just, like, people being, like, um, uh... You know, we, we have a podcast and we're going to start a Patreon and that's how we're going to make money. Oh, no, sorry. And, like, I, I, it's, that is our experience. Like the whole thing is like, we couldn't yeah, yeah. get jobs in podcasting straight up. I had so many creative adjacent jobs. This job that I had at the big radio company was podcasting adjacent and Brandon just knew how to do it and taught me as we like kind of fucked around. Like I didn't learn it from any job. We had to teach ourselves. And the whole reason why Multitude started is that we couldn't get jobs at these places, these creative jobs uh, dissolved as soon as we graduated from college. Um, and that's why that's why we needed to make multitude in the first place to give ourselves the jobs that no one would give us the opportunity. Um, it, it was very gatekeeped at that time, especially in, in podcasting, where you needed to be like an intern and you still needed to be in college to be an intern at a public radio station. And that that was like mm -hmm. the only way you were going to have any sort of mentorship. Yeah. And that's that's New York is is messed up in that way. And it happens on Austin too. Rooster Teeth has that situation. Yeah. Also, I think Powerhouse. I don't. Uh, I, I suppose like what I, what I actually mean is like you actually had like the, the context with like the big industries when you made like a multitude. And like a lot of the time, like now people are just like, well, I guess I'm going to just launch a podcast my, myself and hopefully get like 
listeners to support me and stuff like that, which is, you know, a huge part of making making podcasts. And that's a that's a huge thing. Um, and I also wonder, like, in the last couple of years, has there been uh, for you like a move away from, like, you know, from working with Sony, working with companies like that? Um, because I know a lot of people are just like, all right, traditional media, as much as it was falling apart in 2017, it's falling apart even more now. Yeah. Like, I know a lot of, like, journalists and stuff like that who are basically being, like, laid off from their jobs, and so they have to be like, I guess we're doing what we did before, but as a podcast now, and we have a Patreon, I hope I get fun financing for this. Like, Waypoint, for instance, and some other things. Yes, it's very funny seeing all these people getting laid, because they were, well, actually, it's, it was kind of the reverse, right? Like, we did it. We were very fake it till you make it. Like we put up the multitude shingle yeah. and then the jobs came in. Like it's really funny how being having a company shingle goes up. People that start to take you seriously instead of just being a person. And we like we pitched hard for that Sony stuff and the stuff that came from that public radio is just they found us just from having that shingle up. It's so when I had when I was doing that in 2018, all these people had jobs at at these institutions that I couldn't get. So uh, we had Patreons from the beginning. We were early, early, early adopters of Patreon. And we were still we were still using Patreon when you could only charge per thing you put out. Like we we were stuck in, on like the backside <laughs> when they really wanted everyone to do it monthly. We got screwed a bunch of times uh, about like we lost like a month of revenue every single time we did it because they could not each tell us how to properly do it, even though we asked that we begged them and be like, please tell us what to do, please. We, we don't want to lose revenue. And we still couldn't figure it every single time we switched from per thing to monthly, you know, he screwed us every yeah. time. Um, yeah. So we were really early adopters of, of podcasting, but it's funny seeing like people who worked at these institutions and then they're like, well, I, fa I heard of this thing called Patreon. Turns out members memberships are really great. And the only way to make it sustainable, like, yeah, dude, we've known. For a very long time it's how we did our thing so i told you this it's like, yeah we told when yeah. we were doing it we had to do it because we didn't have your jobs but now it's like it's kind of <laughs> i'm not trying to be vindictive because I, I feel for these people i want them to be to succeed i want them to do to have the same tools that everyone has been using to make their to make their living um but you know they're coming to it new and they sometimes it feels like they're discover they feel like they're discovering something that people have been using for a very long time and realizing it's actually quite sustainable it's been wild how mm. much since 2020 listeners to understand they need to pay for the content that they want to see like patreon yeah. patreon donations went up significantly during the pandemic like everyone was just very clear-eyed yeah. about um small businesses uh of all stripes but for for media for media specifically um so it was just it was it was almost it was almost like in reverse, right? Like we invented we we faked it till we made it, and we used Patreon from the beginning, um, and now we've been, we've been doing it going strong, and now more people. It's like now it's becoming like more podcasting and Patreon and membership has become so ubiquitous. And uh, going back into talking about podcasting and some of the folks you've worked with, uh, one of the things that uh one of the big things you wanted to talk about on the show as well is uh actual play in itself as a genre yeah um are there other games out there that would be a good fit that more people should try out in tabletop rpg uh as a uh actual play tabletop rpg because i know oh very much so for i sure. remember rusty quill specifically did pathfinder <laughs> instead of D D. 
I don't understand what the point of that is. Like, if you're a Pathfinder thing, Jenna Steber told this to me, you know, and she does uh, Burnt Cookbook Party. Um, and also you mm-hmm. might know her from her time at Polygon. Like, she would, she just grew up in, like, a Pathfinder area. It was almost like the places where you took the SAT and the ACT. Uh, those are college entry exams uh, for our non-American listeners. <laughs> yeah. um, it's just, like, the parts of the country they did one and the other. So sometimes you grew up a Pathfinder. But it's, like... But it's the same as Dungeons and Dragons. Like, and why are you choosing this one? It's again, you're just doing the same thing. If you want to do play a game that is intentionally going to tell a different story, do that. Like, I love masks. Masks might be my favorite tabletop RPG. It's a powered by the apocalypse game about being a teenage superhero. And that is the only thing that this system can do. But God fucking damn it if it doesn't do it incredibly, right? Like, the wonderful thing about it is that you're playing superheroes, but you can just use your powers. Once you establish what your powers are, you can just use them. You don't have to make a roll. You don't have to make a roll. You don't have to activate a move unless you're doing something particularly extraordinary. And I find that really great in terms of narrating the comic book style Teen Titans-esque story that's going to be told at a, at a, in a mask game. Um, and Monster of the Week, I feel the same thing. We played Monster of the Week. It's like, we're going to tell a mystery, and we're going to do a mystery thing. It's going to feel like an episode of The X-Files. It's going to feel like a Monster of the Week television show. I just think that I think that there's room for it. You just got to pick and choose what you're going to do. I think Blades in the Dark is turning into the new D&D, where they're trying to squish yeah. it to yeah. fit everything, when it very much cannot. <laughs> it's so funny. It's because like, it's it's so funny because like the like D and D came out in two thousand seventeen. No, wait, what am I saying? Blaze in the Dark came out in two thousand seventeen, two thousand sixteen, or something. And so everyone's discovering it. And everyone who's done a D and D podcast are just like, all right, we got to do something new and fresh. Let's do something that is like six years old. Right. And it's so funny because like <laughs> the industry has moved on a lot of uh like a lot since then, and there's been a lot of like really interesting responses to that game. Well, even then, I think it's funny. It's not to, I mean, listen, I got so disillusioned by the Adventure Zone with graduation that, like, I think they deserve it mm-hmm. from the their lack of intention. But, like, whatever's going on with the Adventure, like, when the, the Adventure Zone touches something, you're going to watch them not engage with the mechanics properly, you know? Like, from what I understand of this current campaign where they're playing Blades in the Dark, they're not being bad guys. They're not heisting. They're not being criminals. It's like, that's what you have to do in the game. Yeah. And man, <laughs> when the McElroys get their hand on something, they sure don't engage in the mechanics. It just, it just, it drives mm-hmm. me crazy. Um, again, from, from the genre, from yeah. what, what we were saying before. I don't know why I'm defending them, but it is a very dense book. I think we've, we've, we've spoken about it on the podcast before that it, like, it's much, it's a streamlined, it's a very fun game. A lot of the, the rules are simpler than other like um uh powered by the apocalypse games but it's also like it is like 200 300 pages long oh, yeah. and like not everyone has the thing to read through that and learn the setting which is my my favorite part of the thing learning all the different districts all the different factions and all the rest of it but also that's the hardest part yeah blades in the dark is also one where the setting is so integral to the game like if you're not playing with ghosts and with weirdness, mm-hmm. how are you playing? You can't play Blades in the Dark. Like, there are whole classes yeah. built around that and whole moves built around that. So it's... Every class is ghosts, right? Yes, yes. But some specifically, like, they can't do anything unless there are ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. I think that a something that 
we have explored and joined the party is like you can pick up little tiny games for specific instances, right? Like world building mm-hmm. games or for uh specific or you know, world building games for us to play a different type of episode, or maybe we're gonna go do something for like a quick second and then come back to Dungeons and Dragons. Like there's so much you can do. Any game play something that helps you tell the specific type of story you want to play is I feel like what it is, what, how I feel. And that's why I like making up little games inside of the games. Like, you know, I've been struggling a lot with what to do with, um, ship combat in, in a, in our pirate game. And I'm like, Oh, I kind of created like a rock, paper, scissors system that worked really well. And it became like the basis of our, uh, it kind of, it became the basis of our ship mechanics, literally playing rock, paper, scissors. Uh, and it's been really fun. Um, so it's like I, I like being a game designer and figuring out what game fits the situation. And it's also like anytime you need a world building game, you just need to play Quiet Year. So it it's it's no problem. Just play Quiet Year. It'll it'll Are solve you goading me? Are you goading me? Yes. <laughs> I've heard the episode. <laughs> uh, I'm like, please, I'm like, please elaborate on why Quiet Year is the best game for making uh uh um world building. <laughs> <laughs> The quiet year. Well, now I'm making it sounds like a firebrand's prompt. <laughs> the quiet year <laughs> was specifically created by Avery Alder, who is an incredible, incredibly talented game designer. Mm-hmm. It was specifically made to build something that is ephemeral, to build something that will disappear when the Frost Knights show up and destroy your community. Frost Shepherds. Sorry, the Frost Shepherds. Thank you. I. It, <laughs> you're right. You're you're absolutely right. And I think that it's funny. Because Austin Walker taught Griffin McElroy this by saying, actually, I'm yes. going to play this and then make it stay. And I think that Austin Walker mm. had a heavy hand in this, which I don't necessarily agree with, with what we're trying to do with a GM-less world-building game, but fine. Like, it's not a world-building game. It is a GM-less expression of something else. And then and then it just bothers me. Because, and then it the the events it's a world ending the, game. the events yes it's a world ending game you're right the events in the codex would not be as maudlin and specific and weird and like upsetting if they were trying to make something that stayed mm. and I, I think that there's so many different world building games out there or just like ask questions to your players roll a table make up some questions just do that or you could play i'm sorry is there still street magic is that street magic? There's just a lot of different options. Fucking love that game. Everyone just gravitated towards this because it got played on Friends of the Table. I also do want to say there is literally a game called World Ending Game by Everest Pipkin that if you want to yeah, play that as game. your world ending game. That's a great way of building a world, I think. I think you should always play that before every campaign. You should just play world ending campaign and then go straight into a campaign. It should work great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> just blow it up. I mean, you can use it for stuff, but like just use, use mm. the games as they were intended. Like, that's why they're these things. These games are so I don't want to say they're single use, but they're very specific tools. Use them and let them let them make your artistic practice flourish instead of trying to mash things together in ways they're not supposed to go. That's all. That's all I'm saying. So I think I think we should probably go towards winding up now because we've been we've been we've been talking for two hours, even though uh, uh, even though a lot of that was not recorded because we talked about a lot of things. But my question is, like, given given this this the influence of of all these other games and all this sort of things, do you think that like you will like is D and D core to what join the party is, or do you imagine it would go away in time? I know that you've said before that 
like you've spoken out like multiple times about how you don't like how Wizards of the Coast is going with this thing. Yeah. And even though the D&D is is a great like podcast game because it's so free form and can add a lot of things to it and it is a very popular brand, like do you think that that's it's always going to stay? That's a good question. I mean, this is all remember this is all bloomed around 5th edition. They really finally mm. captured something. They whittled this massive weirdness that is 3.5 into like something a little bit more sleek and understandable still huge still huge but a little bit at least it's like <laughs> chiseled right it's like they they kind of carved yes. something out of the mar out of the marble out of the cliff face and they made something that, that was so <laughs> much more accessible if they're doing what they say they're going to do with the future of Dungeons and dragons like turn it into a game of service or put it all online i don't they're gonna cut themselves off of the foot now when you look at what Hasbro is doing, you look at their quarterly reports and the things that they say, they don't really care. They're not in the publishing business anymore. They're in the IP creation business and they would much rather hmm. be pushing stuff. They're pushing movies and making money that way than like really caring about this product that they have. So I don't really know. I, I, I think that if Dungeons and Dragons implodes and stops really caring about the game or does not foster mm -hmm what they have with fifth edition people are just going to go to other games and do other stuff. And it's just the, the space is going to fracture. I think that that's what we are yeah. underestimating that people like Dungeons and Dragons. I think it's a good game. I think people should play other games, but I think that Dungeons and Dragons mm -hmm. kind of unifies everyone under one roof. And I, I think that people also like that sense of community. Like you wear a shirt that says critical hit on it. Mm -hmm. People get it, you know, like it is nice. Mm -hmm. Everyone likes all the same thing. Um, you should like other things, but it is nice that everyone likes one thing. I think it's just up to what everyone sees. And if the people, I, I, I don't know, I can't, I can't say the, yeah, this is why the OGL was so important that the people who are actually doing interesting stuff in the space are always third party people and things that are, people are doing interesting stuff in the tabletop or RPG space are usually like independent people making new games like, um, triangle, uh, uh, yeah. What was it? Triangle agency. Triangle Agency is very interesting, and it, it, it got a lot of attention on Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, and it's well-deserved. Control is one of my favorite games, and I love that, that space, mm -hmm. and I, it's also telling that specific type of story. Um, so, no, I think that there is a future beyond D&D, &D, but at the same time, there's going to be a big fracturing period if ever, if it starts to be, if that system becomes unsustainable. I do imagine there's going to be a lot of people who, like, latch on to wanting to see games played in a very specific light or just like i imagine there's gonna be a point where there's gonna be a lot of system neutral stuff published mm -hmm. to cover folks who when that fracturing kind of happens and then you know you got all the people playing apocalypse world over here or uh, powered by the apocalypse you got people playing forge of the dark you got people playing call of cthulhu type yeah uh inspired type get sparked by resistance what i should call it uh all yeah. those kind of things mm -hmm. And like, kind of the fracturing is happening. Is <laughs> the scary thing? Like this year, last year has not been good for for D and D. Like again, the system is is the same as it has been, and like as we're moving to the next one. But it's just like there's been a lot of controversies around D and D in the last year, and it's like, and it's their fault for making the company so ubiquitous, so the same word and name as the game. Yeah. Well, my the system the d20 system that uses strength dexterity con wisdom intelligence charisma didn't hire the pinkertons but they sure did tie them together yeah like like what are they doing yeah and and you play 
you like there's lost mind defend delver which is basically like the 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 pinkerton game this is something i've said in the podcast before so sorry oh, previous listeners but it's about like come in to support a mine owner who's been kicked out by a bunch of you know uh, fugitives <laughs> and like former miners who've turned into criminals and you have to kill all the criminals and then you have to kill the evil drow behind it all and then you do the good thing by giving the the mine owner his mind back and it's like oh this is just a pinkerton story this is what this is yeah and it's you know the role of the the D characters yeah i also think of the forgotten realms is so boring as a fantasy as like as a setting it's cowboys well not even that they're trying to be the ur fantasy setting they're trying to take it from lord of the rings and they always have like the the tolkien estate sued them for using so many of the same words and they had to resolve that that really happened but it's like it has to be so banal that like it it has to be everything and for some reason fantasy racism is integral to that and that is like the main storyline of Baldur's gate (laughs) three which is so Mm -hmm. confusing to me don't get me started on fucking Baldur's gate three because we will talk for another hour or something Mm -hmm. but Man, that's so annoying how everything comes down to race in that yeah. game. Like, like, oh, you're a tiefling, I hate you. You're a drow, you, you are, you're a slave. It's just like, talk about something else. Please, God, don't just have this one yeah. trait. The funny thing Fuck. is that now in the books, they're like, we're not using the word race anymore. We're calling it species, but we're not changing anything, anything. else. It's like, congr- wow, yeah. great job, you dicks. Mm. You get to pick what makes you a good drow. You know, you get a plus one in strength now. You fixed it. Like, no. You've missed no, you're it. not making you've changes. You're just trying to appease the people yelling at you on social media. You're not making actual change. Yeah, I'm so tired yeah. of it. So it's like I don't, I don't trust Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro to like do the no. right thing by the system. So we'll just see what happens with the people who are making, you know, making art in response to that. Hmm. Yeah, I guess, I guess we have other questions. Do we, do we, do we want to hit? Do you want to, do you want to hit any of these last questions, or should we, should we wrap up? Let me. How do we feel? Think about this. Um, yeah, I think the only the only thing I really want to say is like I I feel like I spend a lot of time being critical. Is like I am trying to really put my money where my mouth is with join the party. Like I'm coming on here. Like Mm -hmm. I said, it's like I feel like I'm a director coming on a movie podcast. Like I'm excited to talk about all this stuff. But I really am trying to put my money where my mouth is. I'm designing interesting stuff. I'm giving opportunities for my players to world build. I'm really trying to do. My challenge to myself in campaign three is I want to do like something that's never been done before in actual play. I want to try to do something mm-hmm. every single episode if I can. Right. And maybe that might be like returning to initiative. I hate initiative. I think it's so slow. But then how am I going to use it in a way <laughs> that's actually going to have momentum and keep action moving for for my story? Um, and listen, I love yeah. and the stuff happening in Vertistello and campaign three is just like. One Piece and Andor have expanded my idea of what you can do in yeah. a created world to tell the story you want to see. And I'm really enjoying that. It is becoming a lot of fun. And, you know, hop on join the party. We're, we're, we're successful, but we're not in the top tier. So we always want more people to join. If you're an incredibly toxic person who want to yell at people on Discord and Reddit, come on board. We'd love more of those. <laughs> no, our listen, our listeners that. are just so nice and sweet. Like they just think they, they're not toxic and yelling at people on like mm-hmm. our Dimension 20. You know what I mean? So um, it's just, you know, we'd love people to listen. And, and I hope that you I'm listen, I'm the best DM in podcasting. You're going to enjoy what, what I have to do. Well, yeah. Uh, first of all, once again, Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Do you want to 
plug your uh, website and also just a couple of your favorite shows and any what is an episode that you highly recommend someone jumps Good in question. on from a say uh, one definitely from jumping the party, but maybe a couple other shows that you're on or you produce on. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, if you want to see join the party, engage with other, uh, with other game systems. If you don't want to see us do Dungeons and Dragons, we did something at the beginning of this year before we started campaign three called the hmm. One Shot Derby, which is where we did character creation for three tabletop RPGs, and depending on what what our patrons decided, we ended up playing that game on our Patreon. So you can listen to just the cre- the character creation parts of like Ooh. of smaller rp uh, table tabletop rpgs which was a lot of fun we did um i i did an expansion for battle of the brontes which was a one-page rpg created by oliver yeah. darkshire uh we did a fiasco which was really fun we did that in 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 like in in uh we did that like it was in Ant- antarctica and I can't remember the third one it's it's escaping me it's escaping me right now because we've been recording for so long hold on, hold on, hold on. I have it up. I have it up. Two yeah. seconds. Hold on. I have gone to Fiasco. The third game is Inspectors. Oh, an Inspector and the <gasps> Inspectors. I love Inspectors. Yes, Inspectors. So it is what an underrated gem, and it's so old. It's from two thousand four. Like at the yeah. turn of oh. of the real world, it's so funny and so it is simultaneously so crunchy and so rules light at the same time. It's really, really fun. Inspectors was great. So if you want to see us mm. interact, interact with other other places with like just with smaller episodes, you please, please go go check that stuff out. Yeah. yeah. Um, for games and for games and feelings, um, man, it's a games. It's an advice podcast. And we give actually good advice. Um, the listen to any episode that has Jasper Cartwright on it. Mm. He any if he you might know him from through Black Halflings. He provides so much energy to the show and he joined in the beginning of this year he's the perpetual guest as i call him but it's just so much fun to do episodes with him um and with tell me about it i do that with adel rafai who you might know from uh hello from the magic tavern and hey riddle riddle um and we've had a lot of really interesting people on uh, we're actually having brendley mulligan on uh next thursday which is gonna be which is gonna be a lot of fun if you want to check that out but also like we've had janet varney on uh as well and some other That's people exciting. you might you might recognize um, but if any of the subjects catch your eye, um, because it's like uh, we force people to talk about their favorite thing through like a deranged game show. Um, if any of the subjects like reality shows or ex- or planets or plants or the Witcher uh, catch your eye, please just just hop on and, and listen to the episode that you think you might you might be interested in. I love plants and the Witcher. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Listen to those episodes. Yeah. Those are the two things. <laughs> so yeah, so so I guess without any further ado, uh um back to you, Molly, in the future. So with that being said, all that interview stuff, let's go on to shout outs and we talk about stuff we're up to. So, Cole, what kind of stuff are you up to today? Uh outside of the usual work I'm putting in and the usual things going on, um I've been told I'm going to be taking part in what's called an org, org battle for okay. Rocket League over on uh, Swordfish Esports Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash Swordfish Esports on September 14th around, I believe, 8 p.m. EST. Okay. And essentially, this is a best of seven uh, where the rosters of two te- uh, two different organizations of, at a certain level come together. 
and they'll play a match of 3v3 and then switch to a 2v2 or 1v1 back to a 3v3 back to a and then whichever one wasn't picked will be the 1v1 or 2v2 so on and so right. forth until a winner of a best of seven and so if you all want to come by give some support show some love to that channel feel free to check it out over at twitch.tv slash swordfish esports it will be casted and broadcasted by the team over there as well mm. much love to the folks over at swordfish esports and that is the rocket league is it no yes okay and org stands for organization i was gonna say cyborg okay that's good yeah um <laughs> <laughs> we're actually building cyborgs it's actually a, a cyborg speed speed racing <laughs> yeah. the org battle the org battle <laughs> And then uh, speaking of Rocket League stuff, uh, over the weekend, I will also be doing commentary for Rocket Underground once again over on Twitch.tv slash Rocket Underground. Pay attention to their social media on Twitter.com slash Rocket Underground or it should be Rocket Underground if I remember correctly. Mm. But uh, that'll be between the hours of uh, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. EST on Friday and 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. EST Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Yes. Marley, what you got going on? Oh, I got so much going on. Uh, so number one, I'm working on an NDA. I'm working under an NDA for a Vampire the Masquerade uh, tabletop thing, which I can't talk about anymore. So that is happening. Mm. Um, and I'm also working on um, a, an adventure. I'm currently the editing stage for Strange Squad. Um, which I've mentioned before is is basically a kind of like a Hellboy meets Control and a bunch of other things. Um, uh, TTRPG. Um, I'm working on a, a, a vampire themed adventure for that, which I'm very excited about. Um, and I recently had a, a, a new adventure come out, which is called Anti Reality Dump Site. Um, this is this is by um, S Murphy. That's that's the name. Uh, and, uh, S Murphy has basically like, again, wrote the system of strange squad, um, has released like most of the things for, for, um, free. And so strange squad is available. Um, the core rules are available for free on the itch.io page, which is S Murphy or one word, um, hyphen games.itch.io. Um, you can find buried, buried in the quadmire and they're free, but also the most recent game is not free. It is $5 to play it. To buy it and check it out, which I am extremely excited about because, like, um, S. Murphy has been releasing all these things for free, and I always like to support people who make cool games. And so, if you'd like to check this out, um, it is like a control inspired thing where you go off and fight against an anomaly. And um, I haven't checked it out yet, I'm going to check it out very soon, but it is a cool little thing. Um, so be sure to check that out. Um, and also I would like to shout out, um, if you liked our last episode, which was us checking out, um, uh, the, uh, the top games on itch.io, like the best-selling games, trying to figure out what, what was making them so popular. Um, uh, uh, the indie RPG newsletter, a thing I always go back to a lot, um, has recently released a really good, um, uh, article i'm not really sure blog post whatever a substack is really released a recent substack um talking about the top selling uh games on drive through rpg and like talking about like what categories are there and um 
uh, uh, you know, various categories and what are they like doing well and like why. And it's like, it's kind of, if you were interested in what we were talking about last episode, it sort of like draws on a similar thing. Um, and yeah, that's, that's all I can think of to shout out currently. That's mm -hmm. two more things than I actually wrote down. So this was Inside the Table, a tabletop RPG talk show. And thank you very much for listening. Um, I was Marley. You can follow me at minor underscore Lenahan and my pronouns are he, him. You can find all my links at linktr.ee slash minor underscore Lenahan. And I am on Blue Sky. And because I recently got a code for Blue Sky, an invite code, I'm going to do a very special giveaway to the first person who can, who can, who listens to this and types in this thing. Now we're just going to wait for Blue Sky to load because despite being a better app than the social media site X, it is slow, but mm -hmm. it is now loaded. Um, so if you type in the code, an invite code, B-S-K-Y hyphen social hyphen four N-A-I-E hyphen E-I-M-Z-U, you will be able to join the website Blue Sky and start an account. So um, no caps in any of those things. Um, I'll read it out again in case I got it wrong the first time somehow. It is B-S-K-Y hyphen social s-o-c-i-a-l hyphen four n-a-i-e hyphen e-i-m-z-u so as a special gift to whoever is the first to do that enjoy blue sky it's somewhat better than twitter i guess mm -hmm. or rather the social media site x anyway i was joined today by cole hello cole hi goodbye cole farewell <laughs> good goodbye I'll yeah. this in. <laughs> no, not again. Not again. I've done that bit twice. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, again, I am Cole. You can follow me on the social medias such as Blue Sky and Twitter mm -hmm. and uh, Tumblr and co-host and uh, Instagram at Ice Cold Brew. My pronouns are they, them, he, him. And thank you so much. And you can follow this podcast on the social media site X at Inside the Table and a variety of other social media sites at linktr.ee slash inside the table. Uh, be sure to review on Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts, I don't know why I said it with X in it. And uh, do all the various social media stuff that makes the, the, the podcast popular. If you like it, give it a share. Mm -hmm. Tell us what's going on. Um, if you have any questions uh, or, or like topics that you'd like to have discussed or games you'd like us to check out or anything like that, be sure to check us out. Why did I say it like that? At inside the tape. Nope, that's wrong. <laughs> if you have any questions or things we'd like to check out, uh, be sure to send us an email at inside the table at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, who should they recommend it to, Cole? Uh, you should recommend it to your party members, specifically on your uh, pirate themed plant and bug based world as you are sailing the seas and adventuring high with your party. Such as over at the Join the Party show, which is the Campaign 3, a pirate story set in a world of plant and bug folk. And uh, be sure never to adventure while high. It's very dangerous. It's very, very dangerous. Uh, <laughs> zero to ten. Never recommend it. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird energy. Um, and every day is Five Star Friday here at Inside the Table. If there's a game you like, go out and give it a five star rating. Or again, shout it out on social media. Tag the person who, who, who made it. Talk into a microphone. Make a video about it. Let people know what is the game you like and what you liked about it. It's always very fun to hear. 
So, without any further ado, goodbye. Bye bye. 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 See ya. Later. Farewell. That's it. All right. <laughs> don't, don't you fucking dare. We did it. <laughs> God, it's so much more relaxing when it's only like. We only have to do the, the middle bits or the yeah. end bits. I love this. What if we only did a 20 minute podcast? This would be incredible. There are some podcasts that do that. I don't want to do that. I yeah. wouldn't have time to listen. Anything you'd like to say for the after show thing? I'm tired. I need food. Yeah, I have cereal next to me. It is getting warm. Oh, no one likes warm cereal. Mm. Some people do. Mm-hmm. Um,. Yeah, support the strikes. Bye. <laughs> support the strikes. Don't be a fucking scab. Uh, pay your fucking workers. Yeah. I'm in Austin, Texas. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. I'm in, uh, I'm in Brooklyn, so we're the same. They, they often call Brooklyn the Austin of the East. I mean, kind of. Austin what is the Brooklyn of Texas. Okay. Yeah. Except it's... you can tell the difference because Cole lives in a house and I live in an apartment. <laughs> not even like an actual yes. house i'm in like a townhouse setup like i can knock on the wall next to me and piss off my neighbor oh okay it's like a shitty apartment good. setup but i have a tiny garden that's actually a heat sink Ooh, hello i have a regular sink <laughs> okay i'm gonna google what a heat sink is well it's just like it's a heat trap kind of deal like it's like, like the oh shit. it's not an actual yeah. sink i'm just like yeah. what are you talking you know, about Cole, you know how you're in or sorry uh do you know right. how Australia's entire country is set up to fight the elements? That's similar. Texas is similar. Okay. Mm. Yeah. I, went to, I went to Florida, and I noticed that it was a similar uh, climate to where I am. Yeah. In the Australias. You yes. know, we finally got away from our record-breaking 45, degree, uh, 45 days worth of, like, the highest temperatures we've ever had. Yes. It was, like, 108 and just kind of stayed there. For a month well, thank God half. that's over, is all I'll say. It's never to happen again. It will never <laughs> happen again until it happens many more times. Yes. <laughs> exactly. No, I'm, I'm currently, I have a hot water bottle in Australia, and so it's very weird. Mm-hmm. Um, also, can I just shout out how good hot water bottles are? It's so relaxing. I've heard oh, yeah. my, my wife uses uh, like electric, electric warmers a lot. I should get an electric one. I, I've I've been having like like I've been sitting down too much and so I've just had like upper back, like middle back problems, and yeah. so I've just like just like taken like a I'm gonna say Panadol. No one knows what that means. I yeah um like a, a headache pill and uh, mm-hmm. uh had a hot water bottle and it felt like like I've never I've never had heroin I never will but I'm like <laughs> this is what I imagine heroin is like it's just like a very mild painkiller and just like warmth and it's so good. It's so relaxing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I recommend my shout out today is for hot water bottles. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Mine right now is the uh, drink I told you about last night, Marley, that I started oh, making yeah. at work. Uh, the uh, sp- bottle Sprite, you drop two bags of black iced tea into them. You yeah. Fl- uh, close it, flip it upside down, and then pour that over a cup of ice with a lemon slice in it. Lemon slice. I forgot that bit, but yeah, I yeah. legitimately am gonna try and make that for my movie night this this yeah. weekend. I'm so excited to just what is, English breakfast tea, which is the tea you recommended. Yeah, just like an English breakfast, like it 
in the states it'd be like a Lipton or like a Louisiana iced tea. You just okay. take like a little tea bag and you just drop it in and just uh, let that sit for like 15, 20 minutes. That's it's wild. That crazy. Mm. It, mm-hmm. It's like the whole Coca-Cola with peanuts in it thing people used what? to do. What? That's kind of <laughs> like a fuck. That's like a really fucked up Arnold Palmer. Cola it really is. With peanuts. That was that a mean? big thing. It was a big thing for construction oh, workers. God. Yeah. What are it they doing? Big, it. It's the saltiness and the sweetness of the syrup from the Coke. Oh, which I, well, that's like classic yeah. Coke when it was like actually made out of real sugar. Like if it was more and cocaine. A, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it was green. It was green. Okay, okay. Do you keep the shells on? No, it's okay. like shelled peanuts. Because some of these images, it isn't clear. Looks a bit no. like the real ones, but I'm like, you have to eat the crummy bit too. Yeah, that's fucking weird. Well, like it. The the whole point of it was like it instead of having like one hand with the peanuts and one hand mm-hmm. with the Coke, you just mix them together and you get like a nice little salty, sweet snack as you're drinking. Yeah. And it leaves your other hand free huh. while you're working. And uh, I know folks who worked on like construction sites who were like building and buildings and such would be sitting on the girders and you would see like, this was an old cartoon thing too. You would see them like yeah. sitting there drinking, holding on to the railing with one hand and watching, uh, watching people walk by and cat calling it the other. Yeah, yeah, you know, who's out there catcalling builders, fuckers? Stop catcalling your builders, everybody. Leave them. I hate that they have to use their hand to catcall. Like, (laughs) (laughs) well, you have to make the gestures, you know. (laughs) Right, you need a hand to open the gesture. (laughs) No, it's like the little hand puppet thing. Just move the thumb around, up and down. Yeah, Yeah. hell yeah. 